D-S-N-Y. Back in the studio. So, so who hit some bombs for the Phillies last night that you saw? Uh, I believe JT hit a bomb. Like, nice. just absolutely stupid pitch. It was like a hanging curveball, and he absolutely demolished it. And I was – everyone around me is going crazy, but I'm going crazy because I have him on my fantasy team, so I needed that. Uh, he actually almost hit – he almost hit two home runs, but he hit the top of the fence in his last at-bat. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys who you, you watch him hit, and you could tell just from – just from the way he's built. Okay, yeah, this guy, he's built like a top. This dude's a catcher, you know? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And he just kind of has that weird, like, Conan the Barbarian movement with the swing where it, where it's like, Jesus, It's a thing of beauty when he gets, when he when he connects with it, though. I, I, just, mean, I just lost his 20 subscribers just, just doing no, that damn God. thing. <laughs> What's happening, guys? It is Bleacher Creatures, episode 141. Uh, we were off last week. I was at the glorious Jer- uh, Jersey Shore in uh, Point mm. Beach. Brought the kids down there, uh, or our kid with our, our neighbor's kid. It was it was fun. Got some... I didn't get fried Oreos. I failed in that. No? Part. No, like I just... I don't know. I, I never craved them when I was there. Hmm. You know, I'm not like... I've heard great things. I'm not a big Oreo person to begin with. So the idea so the idea of deep frying it is not like any added appeal. It's just it's, like okay. It's just one of those cultural things when you go to the shore, it's like, okay, you have to try it. Right. It's right. Those, like state like, fair sort of things. Like, come on, I eat too much fried food to begin with. Yeah. I don't need to add I don't need to oh, add that. Oh man. I, I did have this one drink though that was absolutely dangerous. I think it was vodka, Red Bull. I'm sorry, mango vodka, OJ. Mm. And Red Bull, and it was huh. delicious. <laughs> and it was loaded down with sugar. I'm like, I have this like badass Hawaiian shirt on, sitting by the beach <laughs> drinking this. I'm like, this is all right. Okay, no, this is going to be my new reality. I'm going to be that sports writer who lives on the beach, wears like goopy shirts, <laughs> and then just brings the laptop to the bar and then tic tacs away on the laptop, and then just has these almost Hunter S. Thompson encounters with the locals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? That sounds pretty ideal. I think tomorrow yeah. we're going to this beer garden. That's a stone's throw away from where we live. Oh, and nice. uh, and kid you not, they have the best frozen drink. It's a uh, it's a garden, Hawaiian. Though. Yeah, yeah. No, they have an incredible like selection. So, um, blue Hawaiian, you said? Yeah, blue Hawaiian. It's oh, it's so fucking good. I mean, I could so, just give, so, give me a picture of that, and I'll hang, hang over in a picture. Up. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of hangovers, the Yankees uh, kind of went through one through most of August. Now, the, the main thing is that for a while, yeah, they were playing five hundred ball, having some bad losses, like we talked about with Max Greenfield last time on the show. But the hitting was still there, which was the good thing. And all of a sudden, the hitting disappeared. Mm-hmm. Now, Alec, you are a former hitting coach. You know the science, the mechanics of hitting. I want to discuss right now the mechanics of a slump because Paul, I think it was Paul O'Neill or John Flaherty who said on the S broadcast recently, when, when the whole team is going through a slump, when nobody's hitting, nobody's getting good pitches to hit. And we saw this in some at-bats of Aaron Judge. They were working the corners on him nonstop. We've been talking all year how compared to 2021, the Yankees have been 
taking some cleaner swings and that just went completely out the window. They're like hacking, swinging, sawing at anything in the zone, just desperate to make something happen. Having played college ball, high school ball, is there is there indeed that trickle down effect where everyone just gets kind of desperate and starts swinging at bad pitches? Absolutely. Um, I keep getting text messages. I don't know why they're doing this. Um, so rude. So rude. Um, We're so popular. I mean, maybe we yeah, should, maybe, do I need to open up a text chain for people to come in with some questions? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Now's the time to just start texting me. Um, but. Yeah, there's absolutely an effect where, you know, if, if your top guys aren't getting the job done, then it puts some added pressure on the lower guys to try to get it done. And they're going to start pressing and chasing pitches. They're not going to work the counts in the way that they want to be. And they'll be swinging at pitchers' pitches. Now, on the reverse side, if no one else in the lineup is um, – if no one else – is hitting then that's exposing the big guns right so like the the, the Aaron judges um the like I guess in this extent Rizzo or uh well yeah because Stanton's been hurt yeah yeah and I, yeah, I was gonna say Stanton when, when he's healthy but like you know when when a guy like Judge is the only is now the only threat in the lineup of course pitchers are gonna afford to be more um cute with the careful. zone Right. Yeah, cute with the zone, and then and then that puts added pressure on the power guy, on the Aaron Judge. Where if no one else is getting the job done, he's sitting there thinking, "I got to get the job done." Um, and like, there's like, then he's forcing himself to swing outside of his game plan. Right. So mm-hmm. the mechanics of a slump isn't necessarily the, the the physical mechanics; it's more of that mental side. Because right. the swings themselves aren't just deteriorating. It's how their approach deteriorates in the process. Um, so I, I would say I would say so. Yeah, I mean, and you, and you just kind of saw it. It kind of gave us almost flashbacks to last year where, I don't know about you, but just from opening day in 2021, just the way the bats were looking, even early on, and, and maybe even in spring training, in my head I kept going, no, no, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. something's very, very wrong. Now, mind you, I was kind of expecting a downturn in offense last year and, and even more so this year because it's very obvious that ju- the juice balls were ridiculous over like a, we'll, say, we'll call it a four-year yeah. period. Yeah. But then when you regress that far to the mean and you realize just how much the juice balls were affecting you, it really exposes the flaws in the whole approach. Mm-hmm. Now... <laughs> Now we saw last year, okay, they're waiting for a perfect mistake No, uh, from the get-go. Nobody's hitting. Oh, look, they keep up with that approach. It doesn't work. Cut to playing almost 500 ball almost the entire year. This season, it's, again, comically bad month in the grand scheme of things. That's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you wonder, like, suppose this happens again in October. Like, how's this team going to overcome it? And you think, okay, and I understand Stanton's a big loss. So is Matt Carpenter. But how good is a team when one guy is out of the lineup because guys get hurt? You can't control that. How good is a team that if a guy goes down, then, okay, the, the whole house of cards collapses? Yeah, uh, I would say not that good of a team. And, you know, when we it, – it, it's in these situations where you don't have the red-hot carpenter or the stands in the lineup where – 
the patience you might have had with some of the underperforming guys quickly deteriorates. I mean, Donaldson has not been what we'd hoped him hope for him to be. Uh, I've, I've wasted too many words on Glaber Torres. Um, <laughs> and then, like you know, IK, I, IKF swings a wet noodle, and so all of a sudden, when your top half of the lineup is missing the Carpenters, the Stantons, the Rizzos at that that one point, and all of a sudden you're running out a lineup that's involving IKF, Glaber, and Donaldson, who are just not even replacement level hitters yeah like that that makes you wonder and think did we just slap lipstick on a pig and call it a day right i mean john boy tweeted this out from fan graphs uh, they have uh runs above average against certain pitches and looking at the yankees between stanton carpenter being out uh oof, this lineup has a very hard time with the slider because run, runs above yeah. average yeah, runs above average, Aaron Judge, 13.4. Stanton, 7. Carpenter, 5.7. Then you got DJ LeMahieu, who's 3. But, okay, even if he has trouble with the slider, he's at least not striking out. It's on he can put the ball in play. Same mm-hmm. goes for Trevino, who's at 2.2. Rizzo, 1.5. You want to hear something sad about Labor to- Torres, man? Runs above average on the slider, negative uh, 0.3. Kyle Agashioka is ahead of him at plus 0.4. Yeah. Yep, that that doesn't surprise me. That just does not surprise me at all. I mean, oh boy, we're we're getting close to a Glaipatoris tangent here, but <laughs> I know, mean, it's I th- too many too many hitters who are just too stubborn in their ways. Uh, I I personally think, and this is coming off a three game winning streak. Like, <laughs> like yeah. don't get me wrong, but I mean, I mean, the the good thing about this three game winning streak is that I think Ben Intendi's finally figured out. Okay, like. I'm yes. settled in and see what I'm, I see what pitches I'm going to get. If he's the leadoff man against righties the rest of the season, I think that's a great approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, it's funny how as soon as he starts hitting, how much of that dy- dynamic changes. Like, I, he he was fantastic over the weekend or over the week. Like, yeah, that's exactly was, uh, who we traded for. We were at the uh, the second game of the Subway Series, and just when he got that RBI single, like the place just exploded, especially mm. after that, because that, that was after that mental mistake that Glaber made on the. Oh wait, you were at that game? Uh, yeah, game two, I was there. Oh, damn. With, with two Mets was, fans. Was... Oh God, I bet they were giving you shit for Glaber, huh? <laughs> uh, not, not really. I mean, because um, they're okay. So it's a couple. Uh, he is originally from Oakland. That is an A's fan, but he, he's very much a New Yorker now. Went to Fordham is putting down roots here. Um, and he's like, you know what? I'm an A's fan. I, by default, I have to adopt the Mets as the local team. And mm-hmm. he also understands the game. So, and he's not obnoxious about it. His girlfriend, she's she doesn't care about baseball, but her family are all diehard Red Sox fans. So that's their dynamic. It was a fun night. Very interesting. It, I'll say this much, man. It was very much an October vibe at the stadium. Like there, there's no doubt about it. Really? Yeah, it was stressful. Like sitting there in the left field bleachers because you remember where where uh, my seats are in the bleachers. Yes. So now, yeah. so like we're we're in that same general area, but closer to the bar now. Just people okay. coming in and out. So many like they clearly oversold some uh, standing room tickets. But uh-huh. oh, dude, it was stressful. Just like it's a close game. Everyone's going in and out. Like there's no like it, it's like Grand Central Station. 
Oh boy. It was, <laughs> I almost left. I was like, nope, nope, not worth it. Get out of here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I would have even been able to enjoy it under that, under those circumstances. I've been uh, like, nobody touched me. Nobody come near me. <laughs> Since the uh, pandemic, I've become such an anti people person. Just yeah. I'm doing this, yeah. But. It's like, no, no, not interested. Get out of here. <laughs> the, the, this was funny, though. And it was so crowded that um, Caitlin and I walked over to the bar and just to get a couple drinks right to the left, right to the wall of the bleachers by that entrance. There's maybe six or seven guys just standing around a half circle, very subtly and quietly smoking weed in the ballpark. Nice. Well, yeah, my, uh, when my sister was in town, her husband was saying like, cause they went to opening day in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Just so happened they were in Colorado for one of their friend's wedding. He's like, yeah, people were just smoking weed everywhere. It's like, yeah, dude, it's fucking Colorado. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not as far as they went in the stadium. I mean, I'm sure they're certainly not supposed to because it's it's a hard no smoking spot in uh, in Yankee Stadium because there was a security guy who came over, busted him, and he, and he wasn't mean about it because they weren't being obnoxious. They were trying to be very quiet about it. Yeah, he walks over. He's like, hey guys, like, come on, you gotta stop that. Put it out. Uh, yeah. And then, and then, sure enough, I asked him, "Hey, is there actually a designated smoking area in the stadium?" Because um, I think City Field has one, or mm-hmm. at least, the, or at least the old Shea Stadium did. As the sirens go off, yeah, well, uh, that's what happens when you live there. Uh, we live yeah. in hospitals. It's a, it's a regular thing. Uh, <laughs> I also gotta get a new mic that's gonna isolate the sound more. Uh, <laughs> but also, uh, yeah, he, he was cool about. It. He was like, "Now nah, we just people are vaping as it is. We we just can't have it now." Uh, but let's talk about the actual Subway Series um, against Max Scherzer. And again, as an ex-heading coach, I'm sure you saw this as well. At City Field, it's very clear they're independent of the slump and playing 500 ball. They're like, okay, it's Max Scherzer. He's very good, Hall of Fame pitcher, pretty much modern day Nolan Ryan, but without the walk trouble. We're going to wait for him to make a mistake and then just tee off. Didn't work out. He carved him up, struck out Judge, I think, three times on the slider. This time, they said, nope, he's a good pitcher. We're taking the attack to him. Sure enough, first inning base runners. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when, I was, when I was a hitting instructor and a coach, you know, I would always tell my hitters, like, being defensive at the plate would, is the death of a hitter. Like, if you sit there and you're defensive from the get-go, you're not going to succeed. You can't let pitchers get into their rhythms. You can't let them establish the comfort zone. And especially with the really like good pitchers, like a Scherzer, or even like a DeGrom, as good as they are, part of their dominance is like the bully aspect. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the, you know, what what's the famous yogiism? It's, it's 90% mental and the other half physical or whatever. 98% mental, 98% mental, the other half is physical. Yeah, so, you know, for pitchers like Scherzer, you know, he's got the, the two different colored eyes. He talks to himself on the mound. He's just mean mugging up there. Like, yeah, it's it's as much of a mental thing as is a physical thing. And what happens when the hitters say, like, or just like, fuck you, we're going to try to ambush and go? Like, good things happen. And, and, and that's not to say Scherzer was awful. It's just – the Yankees did enough, and that's how you need to approach these these aces, these these fireballers. Is you you have to be aggressive from the get go, and that was encouraging to see for sure. Well, I'm going to argue that there is a time and place for being defensive at the plate. Is like throughout, like 
looking at my years of playing little league and JV and subsequent high school ball. And then like the hot minute I played intramural softball in college, <laughs> like my one, my one year in the can-am league, we'll call it. Um, <laughs> if I'm like, just look, cause I've recently reconnected with my old high school coach and like the, and one of my old hitting coaches and like pretty much we said, okay, like look at, at the way you played through all those years, switch hitter doesn't strike out a lot. Or it's like a Greg Jeffries type, mm-hmm. just like, like not too many walks, but not too many strikeouts either. Yeah. But like, cause you say, okay, like de- sometimes being defensive will kill you. Okay, yeah, it will. But at the same time, you can be defensive as long as you go up the mentality. And I think this is very much what Dylan Lawson says, regardless of result, we're not striking out. Like, mm-hmm. like we, we will jump in front of the D train or the four train, whatever train goes to Yankee stadium before we strike out in an at bat. <laughs> and, um, and, there, and there's value to that approach. There is, uh, but I, I would argue that maybe you shift the the idea of being defensive because I, cause I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I don't know if I would so much as call it being defensive, um, but there is a way to where, you know, you try to be stingy and you try to swing at the pitches that you want to swing at and you don't swing at the pitcher's pitches. Like, like that, like you, there is that element of you forcing the pitcher come to you um and and there are certain circumstances where that's going to work apparently that is a lesson that glaber torres has yet to learn um like i like that remember that when he grounded into that double play with the bases loaded after the pitcher walked whoever was on four pitches oh that's that's a cardinal sin but anyway um but like yeah i mean because when you think of the guys who are kind of high contact low strikeout you know they're scrappy but I don't think I would call them defensive in, in their approach. I think they're still looking for their pitch to hit and they're still like being aggressive on their swings. But I, I like to me, the idea of being defensive is you have no intention of going up there and putting on your grade A swing. It's, it's just you're, you're just up there to try to survive. I should, yeah. I should have probably clarified that earlier. No, that's a good point. Because like there's you because IKF even though he doesn't strike out a lot it's clear he's up there to survive. Like for the yeah I mean there have been how many how many times do we see him kind of throw away in that bat by swinging on the first pitch and hitting a ground ball to the shortstop? Yeah, I mean, it's like he, dude, you couldn't work. The, I'm like I I I I'm the kind of hitter who I would I always respect people who like to jump on first pitches. I love to do it because sometimes that's yeah. the best pitch you're gonna hit, but you still gotta be smart like. Half the time he's slinging that first pitch sliders, and it's like, you know, were you expecting it to be a slider, or would you just tell yourself swing no matter what? Like, because yeah. there, that's that's a big difference. See, I I almost I almost always took the first pitch because that because my mentality was, hey, like that means an extra pitch for him to throw. Fair, yeah, absolutely yeah. fair. I mean, so I was the number four hitter, so I had to <laughs> I had to do damage. I couldn't. I I had no speed, so it's like I'm either trying to hit it over the fence or to the fence i remember i think when you're because i kind of hit all over the place but i think once i kind of hit into the groove and got into the groove in high school when i when we were facing a righty i would bat second and when we were facing a lefty i would bat sixth hmm. i got for some reason or other that's how coach stacked the lineup <laughs> Any, anywho but um subway series between Scherzer, Taiwan Walker, who I, I must say his sinker did look very good early on, but then I think he kind of started tipping it uh, mm. the second time through the lineup. It's clear 
these Mets are a very, very good team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like all respect to them, all respect to how Buck has like been managing them. It, like they are a good team. They're talented. They seem to have finally shaken off the whole, oh, we are the Mets kind of yeah. persona that's been haunting them for the last few years. And yeah, absolutely. They definitely seem like the real deal. And I think I think they kind of came into this series expecting to kind of be business as usual. And they were and they kind of mentally in, in the in uh, in the box they've started trying to do too much like hey let's let's go for that one big swing let's try to get mm-hmm. guys on base and then just score a bunch of runs in a hurry and the Yankees pitchers are like Mm-mm, we remember last time uh now you're gonna have to work yeah I think um because Lindor took some one... ugly swings took some Who ugly did? uh Lindor took some ugly swings against the uh, yeah. well well what there is in that ninth inning, I saw a post on Twitter. He swung at every single pitch and, and where they weren't in the strike zone. Yeah. It's like he, he was way too aggressive in, in, in that situation. He would, um, I, think, I think in that particular case, because Wandy's been running a little cold lately, he was just expecting Wandy to make a mistake and was just anticipating that mistake way too often. Yeah. And then Chernock got called his pants down. And the, the hit he hit out to Florial to end the game, he – got decent enough contact on that because that's another thing about these Mets. they were hitting into outs but they were they were making some good contact yeah almost like the orioles but obviously a more talented team uh but yeah i mean this is very much a subway series potential i mean the yankees have to get through houston the mets have to get through the dodgers and they salt the fight off the braves but mm. at, but at the same time yeah, like, if this is a Subway series, it's not going to be like 2000 where it's like, oh, look at the Mets. Like, who let the dogs out? Ha, 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 ha. No, like, <laughs> these Mets are – they're a force to be reckoned with. Jacob deGrom in Yankee Stadium. I mean, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't pitch well there particularly because I, I actually looked this up as ERA in, in Yankee Stadium, I think, in three or four starts is north of six. Really? Huh. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense because it's a small ballpark and he's so fastball dominant. It's probably not that hard to tee off of him in a ballpark like that. Yeah, or maybe it's just a matter of like you just got to make a little bit of contact and hope you, if you're righty, hit it to right field. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but look, uh, above all else, to anyone listening, Yankees fans, Mets fans, baseball fans, enjoy the ride while it lasts because the Mets right now. Yeah, they're good, but Brandon Nimmo's a free agent at the end of the year. So is Edwin Diaz. Pete Alonso has to get paid soon. Uh, you're locked into Lindor for all that money. Isn't DeGrom opting out? DeGrom's opting out. You got to figure out what, to, what you're going to do with him. And if he's worth all the injuries, Max Scherzer, you have a lot of money tied up in yeah. him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Steve Cohen, he's got some big decisions to make. And if he's more than happy to spend the money, more power to him. But Buck Showalter knows firsthand what happens when you sacrifice the farm system for payroll. Absolutely. The 90s Yankees don't happen without him and Gene Michael utilizing the core four or helping develop the core four while Steinbrenner's off on suspension. Yeah. So I'm going to enjoy every bit, every last second of it. I really hope the Mets don't beat the Yankees in the world series because then my relatives will never let me live it down. (laughs) It's, you know, it's, it's so, so such a good thing when New York is dominating in baseball the way it has been this year. Um, you know, the city just it, – it's a 
it's almost like a complete feeling. It's not just like, oh, we got one half of the city doing well and the other half is just a laughing stock. Like, yeah, cause, hey. uh, yeah, because I was on my way because the, the friends who I told you about who I went to the game with, uh, I'm walking out to go to their place for a couple of drinks before we walk over to the stadium. And this one guy uh, who's wearing a Mets hat sees me in my in my jersey, goes, hey, let's go Mets. F the Yankees. Let's go Mets. And You know, like, I have nothing against the Mets. Like, the team, nothing against them. I like, I like their branding. I like their colors. You know, Edwin Diaz has a fire walkout song. I, I hate how much I enjoy that song. It it's, is infuriating. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. I fucking hate Mets fans. They're the, they're the they're, worst. They are so annoying. I'm sorry for any Mets fan or, or Met fan adjacent who might be listening to this. But after that conversation, or after that person tried to tell me that Pete Alonso is a generational hitter, oh, I, 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 I lost all respect. I'm like, Pete Alonso's OPS is under 900. It's not even 850. Aaron Judge legitimately might set the American League home run record, and I have not heard a single person say Judge is a generational player. I'm not saying Yankee fans don't say it, but he ain't a fucking generational player. I know that. He's having a great year. He's closer to a generational player than Alonzo is for sure. That's, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, like the Mets are a fun team. They're annoying. Uh, their fans are annoying. Yes. They're, they're, who's okay? You're a Giants fan, so who's more annoying? Uh, Mets. Who's most annoying? Mets fans, Eagles fans, or Cowboys fans? um because they're varying levels of annoying if you think about it they are and you know what i'm actually this might be surprising i'm gonna eliminate eagles fans from the equation because they're annoying but in like a little bit of a pathetic way it's just like oh i'm gonna let them have it they they haven't had much to root for recently you know they had the one super bowl in which they sold their souls on congratulations you finally got one like (laughs) you know and if they want to be chanting the Eagles chant in like literally no context whatsoever, fine, go ahead. You guys need something to hold on to. We live in Philly for Christ's sake. Oh my girlfriend like calls this city the Thebes of, of America. And for any Greek uh, mythology nerds out there, we think like this is the Thebes of America. You know, bad things happen here. Wouldn't be surprised if a riddled speaking uh, Sphinx comes down from the sky and <laughs> enslaves us all. But in, in this, in the same vein as Eagles fans being that annoying, Yankees fans are also a level of annoying. On, oh, on the, on the way out, three different fuck Altuve chants. Oh, Jesus Christ! At a Mets game. Yeah, uh, it's it, you know it's it, it's as bad as when like Red Sox fans are chanting Yankees suck when they're playing like the Cleveland Indians. It's like enough like great we live in your head amazing yeah yeah no yeah i mean yankee fans are definitely annoying with the whole like oh 27 blah 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 27 rings up and dick from the bed yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like cowboy fans i mean i have not been personally victimized by a cowboy fan so i'm kind of indifferent to them they just they just cling to the to the super bowls to the history like oh we're america's team yeah, it's like a, it's like my man. You haven't shit. won anything in twenty five years. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. It's like who, who cares? Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it's like the maybe it's just recency bias, but maybe I I might say Mets fans a little bit more just because it's like 
player A does something fantastic. Player B does something fantastic. Player C, who is a Mets player, does something but doesn't quite get the attention that A and B get. And Mets fans yeah. are like, what about my guy? It's like, no, we like, hey, Peter Alonso is a fantastic player. He's having a very good year. He's won the home run derby two years in a row. You know, he, he like, cool, whatever. Uh, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Like or like, or, like or, Jeter or said, begrudge. the captain. Like like yeah. Jeter said, the captain. It's just the Mets. It's just the Mets. Like like they they begrudge Judge. I didn't. Mean, I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Um, <laughs> like, like like or Judge gets posted on on Instagram because he hit like fucking his 48th home run in however many games, which puts him on pace with whoever. And Mets fans are there, like you know, saying whatever. And it's just like guys, like just enjoy baseball i think that's the thing that's been like kind of one thing i've learned just like people don't enjoy baseball anymore it's always like like, we can't just say these two players are doing something absolutely fantastic let's appreciate both of them at the same time it's well he sucks because i like this guy you know it's kind of like the mvp race it's like i love what otani is doing i personally think judge should be the mvp yeah. But I'm not going to sit there and try to convince other people that o- that Otani is a fucking mid-level starting pitcher and or whatever. It's like, no, the dude is a, is a generational talent. Literally, we have not seen this kind of player in 100-plus years. That's when you can use the generational tag there, Mets fans. Um, Tell us how you like, really feel. Oh, God, man. <laughs> I, that, that, that conversation still blows my mind. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, moving on, so Yankees are on a 10-game road trip, uh, four in Oakland, three in Anaheim, then another three at the Trap. Uh, the AL West is, uh, in a word, terrible. <laughs> um, so <laughs> uh, even, even though the Yankees always find a way to lose in Oakland, if they just can't mess this up, man. They just can't. Yeah, uh, which means don't be surprised that they mess it up. But yeah, yeah, I mean, this is an opportunity. I mean, Stanton's back. Stanton's back. You know, sure, um, Nestor goes down, but, you know, all full faith in the In the, the ESNY Slack chat, uh, Danny Small, uh, who we've had on the show once, he uh, he he uh, went so far as to say, and I can't say I disagree with him. He goes, eh, it's, it's, it's the cap innings. He's fine. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen people floating that around for a bit and it's like yeah fine cool and you know what better opportunity to see like clark schmidt take a spot you know he uh, was fantastic against the mets up up until the end yeah he just he yeah. lost his command at that point and i and i think honestly because he got two quick outs so we're like oh great he's awesome but then i think the the gravity of the situation kind of set in for him mm. and he's like oh okay like usual starter ninth inning two outs against the mets and i think he just kind of got a case of the yips yeah, uh, but at the same time, look, the, the rotation next year, Alec, you got Garrett Cole, Sebi's going to come back on his option. Montaz is there. Nestor's there. That five spot is Clark Schmitz to lose. Absolutely. He's have, he's a first round pick. They've put a lot of time and energy into him. And you get the, we've had to be a little patient with them because 2020, he basically lost a year of development, which for a pitcher can be devastating. Mm-hmm. But and don't forget, he was coming off the arm injury out of college. Yeah, Tommy John. Uh, yeah. He, yeah, he's he's a South Carolina guy, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. So the way I see it, even though he, what he's going to fill in for Nestor, let's say he makes three starts, right? 
he doesn't have to necessarily be great or like have three quality starts. But I, I will say this, Alec, I think that if Clark Schmidt struggles when given this opportunity, there's a very big chance that in the wintertime, in the offseason, we don't know who it's going to be for yet. Maybe it's for Pablo Lopez. He's going to be traded. Yeah. Uh, one can only hope because I am so sick and tired of seeing him play. Just so sick and tired. Did you see my tweet the other day when he yeah. – uh, Oh, I, no, I think it was when he hit the ground. He grounded into the double play after the bases were walked loaded on the first pitch. Oh, oh so you're talking about Glaber Torres being packaged with Clark Schmidt for Pablo Lopez. All right. Oh, what, oh, you, what, you mean – oh, I'm sorry. You said trading Clark? Yeah, if, if he struggles over three games, three starts for Nestor? No, 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 no. 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 Even if even even if he lasts like no. three innings a start, you're you're gonna no. No. <laughs> no. Okay, go. Now he's 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 making the team next year. He's gonna he's he'll he's gonna get a fair shot. Um yeah, so you're saying, you're, it's so been a long day and I, I I completely thought we were still on Glaber. Oh no, no, to, um, no Torres is gone. Torres is probably yeah. gone for Pablo Lopez, if anything. But no, I, Clark, Clark Schmidt, let, let, backtracking. Okay, your reset here. <laughs> yes, Clark, reset. There we go. Okay, Clark Schmidt, he, let's say he has three starts for Nestor, covers those three starts, and he doesn't do all those three starts. You're comfortable bringing him back, giving him another shot next year? Absolutely, because I think he's done he's enough. 26 up to already. Point. Uh, yeah, but like, you know, you got, you got how many more years of control do you have left on him? Quite a few. Are we completely sold on getting a pitcher from Miami, a notoriously pitcher-friendly park, who doesn't have overbearing stuff, at least at least from the eye test. I don't know what his numbers are. Like well, it, is... it doesn't have to be Pablo Lopez. He was just an example, just like trading. Oh, yeah. Well, no, hey, I, hey, if they, if they come out and say, you know, I feel like I, – I don't know. Like, unless you're, unless you're getting a guy – unless you're getting fucking Sandy Alcantara, or maybe Edward Cabrera from the Marlins. I I don't see That's anyone fair. in that rotation who is going to be head and shoulders above what Clark is. Like Clark is going to be controllable and a naturally cheaper. Right. So unless you're going to swing a package of like Clark, Glaber. Maybe a Peraza, maybe a, maybe a Cabrera, and then whoever, maybe piece together a few others for like an Alcantara. Then yeah, absolutely, because Alcantara immediately is your number one. So, you mentioned as well the Cabrera. We we should talk about him. I he frustrates me at the plate, but at the same time, I love the energy he brings to the team. I haven't seen enough of his at bats. Um, I know he has. I know he had the one good game, and then, but hey, like credit to that walk he took with the bases loaded. He didn't yeah. let the moment get too big for him, and and he took what was given. Um, he reads the like, zone well. The pro, he's kind of got that first year D. Gregorius thing where if he sees a pitch in the zone, he's trying to do a big thing with it. Right, right. I mean, hey, like I, I want a kid like him to be aggressive. I want him to take his hacks. Um, 
I think I think now that he's away from Yankee Stadium and away from some of the big like you know inner city rivalry and then also just like the AL East rivalry with the yeah. Blue Jays like we might see something a little bit different maybe a little bit more like tuned down but hey that dude's glove is fucking insane like God, I can't believe he robbed a home run in right field five <laughs> defensive five defensive runs saved in right field in like 10 games but he's an infielder right what are you talking about five defensive five defensive runs saved in outfield he's an infielder no that can't be right that can't be right yeah so can we just like can we get rid of uh hicks put judge in center put compare in right i mean hey there we go that's that's my guy (laughs) yeah oh hicks what i don't know what we're gonna do with him i have no idea I appreciate his accountability that he's like, no, no, like I'm, I'm having a terrible season. Like I, I would hope he's being accountable. I mean, like that, and that, that's kind of like the one thing that I've, I've been getting a little bit peeved with uh, the whole Joey Gallo situation, where mm-hmm. now he's in LA and he's starting to hit the ball well. And I know, like when he first saw he took some like veiled shots at the Yankees, and it's like for Did anyone. Really? He, he said something about, like, oh, yeah, well, he's like, I thought we were winning in New York, but, man, we're really winning here in L.A. And and he said something that just kind of, like, I was just like, dude, you should not have any ill will towards the organization because they gave you more than enough fair chances to get out of your slump and you just couldn't do it, right? I think so he's I, also just got a sour taste in his mouth because uh, apparently it, it sounded like people were just going up to the street and just giving him the business. Which, which, they, that, which that is not okay. Like, it is not okay. That, it is not okay. I also think that what Michael Kay said was not okay. Like, because, like, I thought, I thought Gallo did a good job of taking ownership of his struggles. But I don't want I, – I don't like hearing how all of a sudden the Yankees are regretting the Gallo trades. Because it's like, no. Like, he had – plenty of time to prove that he was a major league quality hitter in new york and he just couldn't do it and yeah Yeah. new york is not for any everyone i'm not holding that against them but let's not act like you know the yankees did a boneheaded made a boneheaded play here because they didn't they had to get rid of him also you could see in some of his at-bats from la he's taken what he learned from dylan lawson and applied that to what he's doing with the dodgers like uh, one of his Mm -hmm. first that when i think his first run with the dodgers he took this really clean swing and hit a home run to left field yeah, like when was the last time he's ever hit a home run in the left field? <laughs> Not that I've seen. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's like, yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on again. <laughs> yeah, and this, but at the same time, like, oh god, like you're hearing people groan about Jordan Montgomery. Oh, he threw a Maddox one hitter in uh, for the Cardinals. Why did the Yankees trade him? Why did the Yankees trade him? People don't realize Jordan Montgomery would never accomplish that in the AL East. He just wouldn't. No. Not, no. not in the American League. He is a he is this is why I, I am defending the trade. Nestor Cortez and Jordan Montgomery are the same exact pitcher. The only difference is that Nestor Cortez can spin a fastball. Jordan Montgomery, yeah, he can spin a fastball, but it rarely ever works for him. He yeah. just he, like more often than not, he's not gonna have that good fuck you fastball that Nestor Cortez is more than happy to throw. I'm very yep. happy for that Jordan Montgomery is in the National League, especially the National League Central. He is a junk baller. He pitches to contact. He is a change-up curveball, sometimes cutter, soft contact guy. He is a great pitcher now that he is in the National League, especially the National League Central, not to beat that dead horse. People are finally going to see 
just how good he is and that, yeah, he was great for the Yankees. Now be happy for him now. Like you said earlier, just enjoy baseball. Yep. Oh, my God, that's been building up for a week. That has been <laughs> building up for so long. Oh, man. Oh, we, oh my God, we, we, we got to get Cam on the show just so I can do that rant at him. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Cam is our uh, – is our buddy in our Yankees group chat who we love the guy and he, and he acknowledges that he doesn't mean half the shit he says, but Oh my God, like he has some of like, he has some <laughs> takes where like even Yankees Twitter is going to look at him and be like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? He's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's funny. He's like, so I laugh so hard. <laughs> it's great. I feel like, I feel like we should have him on just have him, just have him be like full triumph. The insult comment, uh, comic dog, just have him do his thing. And we just go back and forth with him accordingly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe once the West Coast trip is over and we're all kind of breathing a little easier. All right, dude. I feel like I've been trying to catch my breath for the last like week and a half. Just not even baseball related, life related. I am like yeah, shuffling try, my feet. Damn it! <laughs> try having a toddler. Oh, I can't. I can only imagine. I have a yeah. I have a dog, and that's he's hands full enough. Yeah, uh, having a toddler is a lot like having a dog. It's just like, hey, come here, come here. Okay, I'm coming over there right now. Eat your food. Eat your food. Do you need to go potty? No. No. <laughs> no apparently you're not supposed to say no right no anymore. You're only supposed to say that if they're absolutely in danger. Like, really? No! <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so oh god, I hate West Coast games during the week, man. Can we just complain about yeah. that for a second? Well, uh, the one good thing is it's Thursday. Yes. I'm working from home tomorrow. That's good. So I don't have to wake up at 6.45. Oof. Yeah, it sucks because, like... kid wakes up sometimes. Yeah, well, it sucks because, like, where I work, it's 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 a bit of a commute just with traffic in Philadelphia. So it's... it's so, that well, it's to Jersey, so it's, what, like, 45 minutes? When there's no traffic, it's, like, 30. Okay. That's not so, terrible. No, it's not, but it's, it's you know, I got to get through. It's a reverse commute out of Philly. But there's a certain point where I got to get past University City because up, up until University City, that's where all the traffic is. Oh, yeah. So if I if I wait too long, I don't get in in time. So I have to leave more on the early side to get Jesus. in a little earlier. And it's just like it, it, it's not a great situation for that. But I mean, yeah, it's hybrid. So I'm, I'm starting to work in a little bit more working from home, which is good, and which means I can stay up and watch a few innings. There you go. I don't know how much later I'm going to stay up. My head is fucking pounding right now. And I'm yeah. Right yeah. And, th- and thankfully, it's a 9.30 start as opposed to a 10 o'clock. Yeah. Like we had in Seattle. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, we are going to go enjoy these games, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JoshBESMY. You can find Alec at Alec underscore Monte Calvo. Uh, hopefully, we beat up on these Oakland A's and don't have to grind out too many wins, right? Yes, please. I mean, I get, if we get another fucking game where James Caprillian shows why the Yankees drafted him in the first round, I'm going to lose my mind. Good Lord. He's pitching tonight, right? Uh, yeah, him versus Tyone. Yeah, it's like, please, can we can we not get a reminder that James Caprillian was a Yankee at one point? Just please. Because he yeah. seems like he always shuts us down. No one else. I think we, we did okay off of him last time. Did he? Did we? Yeah. Yeah. Also, he's not having that great of a – you know what, let's look up – before we go, let's look up his baseball savant page. I'm going to look that up I right like now. Keeps, I feel like he just keeps getting hurt. 
baseball savant. Well, I mean, we did trade him when he was fresh off Tommy John surgery. All right, so he's 28, opening up his stat cast page. Three and seven, 4.29 ERA in 20 starts this year, 1.33 whip. Once the okay. Oh yeah, he's okay. He's not gonna give up a lot of hard contact, but his his expected batting average, it's a lot of blue on this page with yeah. And the only red, it's his hard hit rate. It's a very light red 61st percentile, but everything else he's yeah. Beatable guy. Very beatable guy. That's what we'll say. Yeah, Very beautiful pitcher. His best pitch this year is his sinker and his changeup. Mm-hmm. And even then, like those are his fourth and fifth pitches altogether. Four seamers a negative one run value, sliders a negative two, curveball is not good. Okay. So he's he's an Oakland pitcher on a last place there Oakland team. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna go ahead and watch these games. Uh, thanks for listening, folks, and we will see you next week. <laughs>